Cause I am. Wait, no. Um, <laughs> nah. How's it going, guys? I decided to do a video today because this is definitely going to be the last time I do one before Endgame is all I can talk about for like a sustained couple weeks. So just wanted to get it out there. But doesn't mean there's any less exciting stuff in this one because this is like a this is like a just convergence of culture that I have not experienced in a long time. We have, it's not a finale or anything in Game of Thrones. I don't even think it's the middle point, but they've spent the first two episodes building up and building up like the hype for this battle with the Night King and Winterfell. And I'm not going to go into it if you're not caught up. I don't know. Really, there's no spoilers. It's just everyone that you saw for the last two episodes of the last season, or they've just kind of been waggling them at you and being like, you remember? You remember that they are here? Do you remember that they are romantically here? Just little reminders and stuff, but everything has been like building up to what you hoped would have been last week's episode, but no, they spent an additional <laughs> week hyping to the battle. And the only spoiler I will say, which is obvious, is the Night King's army winds up lined up outside, um, like within, I don't know, a couple hours march or something of Winterfell, so... Whether it is a battle or not, their meet, their interaction, the, the living and the dead will happen this Sunday, which is going to be fucking nuts. And if you want to talk about like stuff that's, um, <laughs> you know, big things happening this weekend, it's obviously not at the scale of, of Endgame, but huge. I mean, if it was if, if Endgame was happening any other weekend, this would be a, a phenomenon unto itself. But uh, yeah, let's talk about that. Avenging elephant in the room. Um, I'm going into this, like, way more emotionally invested than I should be, and I'm going to hear that from everybody, and that's just the kind of person I am. And power to you if you're listening to this, if you're also that kind of person, because I feel you, man. I'm going to the same theater, which is my favorite theater. It's, it's like, my happy place, to be honest. It's Scotiabank Theater in Toronto. I've grown up watching movies there since I was a kid seen them with like my family with when I was younger with friends I've seen movies there on my own I've had birthdays there at one part of my bachelor party we wound up because it was the weekend I think Black Panther came out I wound up seeing that there it's an institution so go you guys but it's very cool at the end of the Infinity Saga the MCU phase one to one to three or one to four I'm really bad with the phases because some of them are kind of on the fringes and it's hard to put them in, but the Marvel Cinematic Universe as we know it is going to be concluded. And it's special and sentimental to be in the same spot to end it where it was, uh, where I was when it began. I've talked about that day a lot because it's very special to me, but when I went to see Avengers, um, the first one in theaters, and I took the day off school, I lined up. Back then, you had to line up because there was no way of reserving seats. And I was the first people in line. I, I say people as in I was there with uh, my girlfriend at the time and a friend, I think, and then other friends joined us. But it was great. I wore the same extremely loud Captain America sweater. I, I fucking love it. It's like a varsity cardigan style, baseball-ish. It, it's great. And I wore it then, and thanks to it being a hoodie and I took good care of it, I will wear it again. <laughs> and also as a like stocking stuffer Christmas gift a long time ago, um, my wife got me like Civil War tissues. And I found them recently when there's like two or three in there, and I'm fucking bringing those for when I shed <laughs> marble tears. Uh, I, I, I'm bringing it all. I got Captain America, like socks, um, pants. Not pants. Well, no, they're, they're, I guess they'd be like pajamas. I can go out wearing Captain America socks, uh, underwear, T-shirt, sweater, headphones, hat, and bring my water bottle. <laughs> but it, it wears Batman. I, it's not an exaggeration. Every article of clothing, you know, down to accessorizing of, like, the belt, the cologne, the <laughs> sunglasses. Anyway, um, it, it's going to be monumental. It's going to be the greatest... I'm not going to say it's going to be the greatest movie of all time because I will say that after I see it. And I'm, I'm very, I'm very much a victim of enjoying the cinematic experience so much that it blinds me to the little holes and, and maybe issues and fallacies with the movie. So 
when I walk out of it, unless it was a really bad movie, I'm always like, that was great. I loved it. That was a good time. And then I think about it, I'm like, you know what was weird? Or, you know, I didn't like, and then on second viewing, if it's a good movie, it holds up. Otherwise, I'm like, yeah, it was, you know. But I'm going to fucking love it. It's going to be amazing. I have absolutely no doubt. Everyone involved from the, on the screen, behind the screen, directorially, everyone is an all-star. And it's going to be absolutely amazing. But I say it's the best movie experience because there's never been anything like this. I don't know how you could have anything like this again. You've cultivated a fan following over decades. You, you have pretty much a third of Hollywood invested. I mean, you get people that aren't. I was having this... this uh, discussion with a friend of mine it was like who are some actors that aren't in it and there's a few out there I mean you can snap up um, The Rock and stuff and there's like there's some larger larger acting names definitely out there but if you pick three Hollywood actors guaranteed one of them is, is in Marvel and you gotta remember that includes uh Sorry, I dropped something. That includes, like, kind of, I don't want to say bit performances, but minor character introductory performances. So when you have Guardians of the Galaxy 2, for example, you have um, a tremendous amount of characters that are just introduced and brought in so that you have them for later, you have them for reference, and you have them for world building. Um, I think it was actually my mom that was like, you know, it'd be nice if I saw some names I recognized here, and I'm like... Sylvester Stallone? <laughs> She's like, he's not in it. And there's an argument. I won, but somehow she wouldn't admit that. But um, it was a Stakar O'Gord or something. He's in Guardians. Just, it, it, just so many people. Um, I think that they're slow to snap up Brad Pitt, which is a little weird. I wanted to see Brad Pitt come in as like a... I had a... Okay, I love Brad Pitt. I think he's one of the most talented actors around. And I, I've got this problem where I always kind of only want to put him in, like, World War II, like, sergeant, captain-type roles because he's been in three or four of those, and they've been amazing. But I really think Brad Pitt as, uh, I think his name is Nuke or Duke. I think it's Nuke. He's, like, this Captain America reoccurring villain, super swole, but he's, like, a very patriotic and an America-driven character. I just think Brad Pitt can knock out of the park. He's not got the super beefness, but that's not the point. You're going to have to, like, do some effects there, but I just think he could bring it. But that's an aside. Again, we, we, we feed on being off track here. Um, Endgame is, is amazing. I can't explain how excited I am. I have my ticket tomorrow going with... Uh, I bought three seats... Because my wife's all like, I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if I can sit there. I don't know if, like, health-wise, you know, I'll be able to... Because the movie's over three hours long. And we saw... We'll get to it, but we saw Shazam. And she was like... She was basing it on that. She didn't think... That was a test run, really. She had to, like, leave and walk out. She couldn't come to the Avengers. But she was okay. But if... uh, Secretly... And it wasn't secret, to be honest. I told her straight up. I'm like... I'm cool with it either way. Because either you come and that's great. Or you don't. And I get a fucking empty seat to, like, sit rudely explain myself out on and put my bag down and and coveted real estate in a theater but I bought my ticket uh, I think I told you guys there was an episode one the day of but nine sorry I think like the mass sale and everything had started at nine but it had technically gone live sometime early early morning so I'd got it at 4.30 so I've had these tickets for a super long time and I tried recently to buy Again, and it's insane. Most theaters in my area, and in the major metropolitan area, have converted three quarters, if not all, of their screens to be showing Endgame. And this has been a slow thing, because I checked a couple weeks ago, that wasn't the case. And this is just amazing. I've never seen this before. And this is why I mean it's going to be one of the best movies ever. Cinematically, it will. Obviously, it's going to be entertaining. Everyone's going to enjoy it. If you like any of the Marvel content, you're going to love it. But it's just... it's an event. It's a happening. Like, this is a thing in human world history that is happening right now. There's never been a movie that's had this much celebration or attention or crazed hysteria, almost. There's, and there's this, thankfully, 
popular notion of like a code of honor when it comes to spoilers because I hope like I wish swift death on anyone that spoils Endgame for anybody and that's kind of another thing not with the spoilers but the reviews I get it you know my my feed my Twitter my Instagram because of my interest is, is a lot of nerds and nerd stuff and nerd talk and everything but every fucking Tom, Dick and Harry that has a podcast or a YouTube channel or anything coming out with their like review of Endgame on the Friday that it comes out with like honestly shut the fuck up <laughs> like who, who is that for everybody is going to go see it everybody is going to have their own opinion and want to talk about it and most importantly anyone who has half a brain is going to see it anyway whether you tell them to or not unless you're fucking the Pope <laughs> I couldn't think of anyone with more clout Unless you're in that inner circle of the Illuminati of uh, the Queen of England, the Pope, uh, Steven Spielberg, and uh, the Noid from Domino's. <laughs> Unless you're in that coven, people won't listen to you. That's how the Noid finally succeeded. Yeah, um, no. I think people... Like, I, I enjoy two channels and sort of reviewers that I follow are the Screen Junkies and the CinemaSins. I talk about them all the time. And I can't wait to hear them talk about it. But I know, especially... Like, I'm going to hold the CinemaSins up here for a little bit as an example. They're going to do it in probably, like, a couple weeks, maybe a week and a half or something. They're going to do it tastefully, and it's going to be when they get to it. I'm talking about the podcast, the Syncast. I think when they'll only get to everything wrong with once it's out. But... Screen Junkies I love, and it's great content. I'm a huge Movie Fights fan, but they're a little kind of a microcosm of the problem here is that I've already seen them come up with three or four videos that have to do with Endgame and their reviews and their spoiler-free review, which means, you know, there's going to be a spoiler one. And it's like, guys, just just stop. Everybody just stop for a bit, okay? I saw Lon at Lon's, uh, the professor who was speaking to Screen Junkies on Twitter, and he posted something that really struck me, like a when someone says something that was directly ripped from your brain, you're like, thank you! Like that office meme. Like He said, like, I'm not going to review this yet. Like you, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, just simply because of the word count. Like, I'm not going to review this yet. You guys are going to see it. If it's any part of you to go see this thing, you'll see it. And we'll talk about it in a couple of weeks. And I was like, fucking amen, once again, for the people in the back. Like, you don't need to... D- go out and see it and then the next day or that night like okay for my 1000 podcast followers like I saw it and I really liked Endgame and like of course you did and of course you like this is what I talked about a couple weeks ago with just creating content for the sake of content I will talk to you guys about Endgame probably a couple days after and I'll talk to you about what it meant for me and some opinions and we can speculate stuff I'm not going to come on to tell you guys that it was good and you should go watch it because fucking of course it's good if you're going to go watch it so yeah a bit of a rant about that I'm sorry so it's coming out tomorrow shaking with anticipation and when it's done it's nice because there isn't such a drop off of like what do I do with my life that's going to happen Sunday night because there's a Game of Thrones to look forward to and that's still going thankfully but uh, I'm hopeful, I'm very excited about Spider-Man Far From Home, so that's something neat to look forward to, but unfortunately I was in a bit of a discourse with someone. I'm having a hard time so far being excited or optimistic about whatever the next phase of Marvel is. I don't want to give it a phase number because in case I'm just straight up wrong about the number, but these are characters and people and times and things that we've invested so long in, right? So... This is not spoilers. I don't. I don't know. But assuming that some of them are going to leave and die or whatever happens, it's going to change. And I don't know. I've had some. I was reading some think pieces and articles, and people have compared it to like the prequels with Star Wars, where you're going to put the same brand, title, intellectual property sense about something, but you're going to gut it and change a lot of things about it, and that's going to keep half the people and appease them and make the other half of the people turn away from the fandom and make them revolted in the case of the prequels. I love the prequels. I'm not, just like anything in my life, and this is one of my, you know, I want to say one of my positive qualities, is I'm always happy to have a discussion about something. If I hate it and you love it, I'm actually 
happy to engage in that discourse with you and have a dialogue and hear you out as to why you have a problem with it. And that's not to tell you that you're wrong or anything similar. That's just to, uh, that's just to tell you, hang on. Sorry about that. Yeah. What I believe strongly is having that conversation is, is enjoyable, not just for me, but on a human level, you have to kind of put a little bit more effort into being able to understand someone's point of view and see where they're coming from. So when I hear someone have a very contrary opinion to mine, it's fascinating and because I, I can't get out of my own head sometimes. And that's really something uh, to be candid that I, I try to work on as a something I, I really feel like is a personal weakness. And I read a quote, I really hate quoting without the source, but it was... Uh, it's like only a foolish man thinks he knows the world to be the way he thinks it or something. Obviously, you're butchering when you paraphrase. But it's the notion of it's not, it's not all about you. You're not the star of the universe. And I love a movie and you hate it. And explain to me how you hate it. Explain to me what about it you didn't like because I would love to know. So when it comes to the prequels or any movie, I mean... I love to hear it. I mean, Jar Jar is cheesy as fuck and annoying and kind of racist. Um, CGIing a bunch of aliens in and around things is not a great solution. And snipping the bottom half off of one of your cooler villains only to have him show up later in a plot twist ruined by a cartoon TV show is not stellar. But, as I've said earlier, Attack of the Clones technically does the most heavy lifting in terms of building the Star Wars universe. And it's the only time you see a Jedi army, so... Suck at every one of the good movies. But I'm concerned for the, the future of Marvel. I think we're going to see a move to what DC has actually already started to do, which, yeah, and I'm going to get to it, <laughs> where we have more independent stories that build characters that we like, and you get the variety of tone. Uh, DC is going to take a long time before they make a dark movie again, I think, but um, hopefully pun intended about that. I want to see Justice League dark, but... Marvel gives you a Marvel brand movie, and everyone knows that. It's that flavor. It's like you go to a Subway restaurant, they all smell the same, they all feel the same, same menu, same with a Walmart, same with that kind of thing. That's what you're getting. Quality, well, those are bad examples for the sake of quality, but think of your, no, 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 the, the keg, or the, A1, or it's a steak, Lone Star? I don't know steak places in the U.S., I'm sorry, but... A steak franchise restaurant. Like, it's, it's, you go there, you know what it is, they all look and feel the same, and you get a certain quality, but you know the quality you're getting. You know the brand, the flavors. I think we're going to see a lot of that Marvel stuff maybe get thrown up, and, and I don't think it's going to stick the same way because people are going to have expectations and they're going to have a bit of fatigue after seeing everything, and I think we're going to want to see something new. But DC is having success with independent characters telling different stories and I think the level of interconnectedness is a secondary if not sort of tertiary thing that they work at whereas Marvel every movie is a funnel that feeds into another movie I want to be hopeful again I'm not negative I love uh, Captain Marvel <coughs> excuse me I love uh, the idea of Captain Marvel leading the the Avengers into like a new wave of movies and not being a a negative Nancy about that. I just I feel we haven't been shown enough that's interesting and we've seen with Marvel TV Marvel's not invincible and certainly not anymore. So they're building on the backs like it, it, Endgame is the top of a pyramid. It's specifically that golden thing that Jonathan steals at the end of The Mummy Returns that makes me super happy he gets, but it's there's nothing up there, so we can either move on to another pyramid and have to start at the bottom, or I don't know what to do. I'm just worried that wave one of, you know, I don't know, this numbering system is, is like more intense than a manga series. It's phase, I think it's phase four, which would be the phase one of this new huge system because the first 12, 11 years were the Infinity Saga but only fucking knew that name like nine years into it so 
I hope this new wave is good, whatever they're going to call it. Um, I just hope that we're getting interesting characters. We're, we're getting the Eternals, which I promise you I have two graphic novels of that I've owned since, I think, 2006 that I just have not read. I read one of them, like, halfway in. And just I don't know. Marvel's had some of the most talented character creators, and, I mean, the works of Stan Lee are amazing. And then you also have characters that just don't, don't always uh, stick. Sorry, I'm fidgeting with one of those alligator clip things, and that's rude to you guys for audio reasons. I'll cut that shit out. Um, a big problem with characters for Marvel, though, is that you have... It's not that you lack variety. It's that you, there's sort of a lack of... Everything is anchored to each other, and it's very hard to have coexisting stories... It interrupted again, I'm sorry. It's really funny, too, because I'm using one of the nicer boardrooms to do some work and talk to you guys, and I put up signage directing people where they're supposed to go for this event that I planned, and people will walk in to the foyer where I am using the door that has a poster on it of where they're supposed to go and really politely be like, I'm sorry, is this where I'm supposed to go? And it's like, nope. Um... I'm actually watching, I'm making eye contact with people who are doing it right now, so hang on one second. And yeah, it just happens as we were talking about it, so <laughs> people, are, people are splendid. Um, yeah, Marvel is fantastic, I, I find very little fault in them, but their characters do sort of lack the ability to be independent of each other. The Marvel comics are so entertaining because of the team-ups, because of New York. New York's a character more than New York's a character in a Woody Allen movie. I mean... New York is, is the home base for, I'd say, like 70% of the superheroes, but like 90% of the good ones. And that's where their, their strength is, man. Their strength, DC has just as many teams, probably. I know the DC crowd out there, and it's not a diss, but I, you'll find much more success when you hang on. Okay, I think a better way to put it into perspective is on my bookshelf, I have probably two full Ikea shelves of comics, and there's, by far, the majority is maybe 70% DC, maybe 60%. Then, you know, 20 to 30 of Marvel, and then the rest is, like, image, dark horse, kind of independence. Um, I will take a, a shelfie one day. I'll post, uh, send around to you guys what my stuff is, because I'd love to hear about yours. I love seeing people's collections, man. When I go to people's houses, they're always, you know... Showing around, I'm like, you have bookshelves I can look at? <laughs> Y'all collect movies around here? I gotta get some glimpses at your Blu-rays. Um, I also absolutely fucking love when I go to somebody's house and they're showing me their movies and there's just porn amongst it. And like, power to you, man. Also, if you're gonna buy it, just put it up there. It's not like, as long as it's not like Backdoor Sluts 9 or something, or like Jizz Face Teens or some like... You know, one of those, like, where it tries to be a movie, like, we actually, <laughs> in my house, we have like, the Pirates one, the one that, like, crazy high budget, the, the front of it looks like Pirates of the Caribbean, so putting it, like, yeah, no one else is a fan of that, but I enjoy putting it with the, I think we only have the three Pirates movies, I put it as, like, the fourth, which is arguably better than the fourth that they really made, and then the fifth, what was the fifth? Oh, the fifth was the, um... Javier Bardem one. Ducks Parl. Will Dylan that? He's got like drippy mouth the whole time. Like he's doing his voice, but like with water in his mouth. I think he's phenomenal. I would love to see Javier Bardem in the Marvel Universe as uh, um, All right. That was one of those interruptions again. I'll give you a little more detail. We're, we're having like some torrential flooding uh, in the facilities, so there's a little bit of there's a little bit of stuff to do, so obviously it's understandable. But um, it wasn't just a flex on my shelf. Uh, the point I'm trying to make is DC is just a little better historically at crafting independent storylines. I will read time and time again, not just because of bias, I will read a Batman standalone story, and it will be usually really good. I read a Marvel standalone story, and it's dicey. I love Captain America. That's my, my Marvel number one favorite read. And... A lot of his stories, especially the Marvel Now one, a lot of them are not very good. Marvel Now took a risk with him and had this story called Castaway in Dimension Z where he's like a 
one day riding the train and then he winds up in Zola's Dimension Z, which is just like a wasteland with mutants and weirdos and stuff. And he spends like 10 years there and he has a son and like raises this boy and like, it's just a very strange, like I want, if Captain America's not there on the beaches of Normandy or even I read it when he's in the streets of Iraq or, or like the jungles of Vietnam, but when he's leading the Avengers is where, he, where his bread and butter is. So, okay, I think there was enough uh, dancing around it. Shazam. God, I wish it would happen. Uh, I saw it last night, and let me just say first, one of the most memorable experiences I'll ever have going to the movies, because we went to, near my house, I live in like a, kind of like a pretty idyllic, like historical village area of like Toronto, so there's like a lot of old buildings and sort of generational heritage places, and there's a theater that's nowhere near the Cineplex, you know, big box movie experiences you get but it's cute and it's one of those like it's got old timey posters and it's the, the you know two cinemas that it has are underground and it's very old timey it's great you take your grandparents there they're like oh this is what they used to be like and I actually used to go to one very similar downtown that was an old gold curtain kung fu theater and I used to see like nerdy burlesque shows and like weird strip shows and stuff and they would do like shadow casts for uh, Rocky Horror and Repo Genetic Opera and that's when like they play the movie in the back and people act it out. It was a good scene, but um, closed down. I don't know why the theater actually closed down. Like the building was not condemned because it turned into another business of some kind, but I think they must have demolished the theater because I think the next thing it was was just a store. And I know they, <laughs> although thinking about it now, I'm half convinced that there's like an abandoned theater under Spadina and queen that I don't explore, but anyway, um, <coughs> sorry, speaking of Toronto-specific things, Shazam is so Toronto, it's Toronto is fuck, and I love it, Toronto is the, the place to be for, for filming stuff right now, and if anyone ever hears this who has any ability to affect a casting or filming or scouting or anything in Toronto, go for it, this place is awesome. It's, like, way cheaper than American cities. It's way prettier, cleaner, safer, and we give a bunch of creativity credits for things that are made here. Like, our government will give you money and grants and stuff. Um, I've said before I work for the government, the federal government, and uh, where I work, we've been lucky enough to have filmings here, TV shows, movies, some stuff I can talk about, some stuff I can't, and I will get to it later. Um, I get to work on some of it, which is one of the highlights of my job and my, like one of the happiest things I've gotten to do recently. Um which has been great um, movies that like there's one real I can't mention it until it comes out there's a real movie coming to theaters uh, there's a Netflix movie coming out near Christmas I can't mention that and there's a TV show that I'm a personal fan of which is fucking awesome and I will get to talk about that in a couple weeks um, but besides that I've done little stuff Canadian heritage stuff and it's neat um, a couple times I've sort of you know I've decided, not decided as if it's the end of it, but I've been working there and felt like, this feels right. I think this is something I want to keep doing. Because I like working with movies, and I'm not, uh, <coughs> excuse me, I've always considered myself, <coughs> excuse me, wow, I'm trying to be considerate to you guys. Having one of those low-level coughs, but trying to be dignified about it. No, I've always considered myself very artistically um, handicapped in that for drawing, painting, sculpting, music making, for a lot of, most of the mediums I'm really bad. <laughs> but uh, I've always found enjoyment in acting and I enjoy voice work. I did some um, voice acting work when I was a kid. Um, honestly, it was really special. My mom got me uh, an agent and I had a voice coach for a little while and I did some stock work for cartoons. And unfortunately my mom, for whatever reason, nefarious or innocent you know, stuff's lost lots of time and all that kind of stuff but now so many people do it there's like nothing it's not even like a, I know five of my friends that do it and it's you know five people I know and it's special and if you get in a show and everything kudos to you but especially now with the kind of stock sounds they can produce and they have on file it's really anyway 
But no, I found a bit of a passion of mine because I love the city. I, I love Toronto. I was born here. Um, neither of my parents were born here. And uh, I grew up here. I've had the privilege to travel the world, so it's not like I've lived only here. But I've lived here my whole life, and I've moved to, I uh, counted it out, uh, much to everyone who I tell's chagrin, and the current apartment I live with, I, I live in with my wife, is my 17th home. Now, just a bit of perspective on that, that's all in the same city. <laughs> so I know this city very, very well. I've commuted to school, to jobs in every corner, northeast, southwest, central especially. Um, <clears throat> I'm vaguely familiar with the surrounding sort of borough towns of the six. Uh, I lived downtown for my sort of formative years. That's sort of a, a crucible, I think, that makes you a, an urbanite. I love the city, and I love movies. So when I get to help with location scouting or set suggestions, uh, set setting, uh, even fight choreography, it's, it's a dream. It's, uh, I'll go into the details later, but we were doing a walk around for a TV show, um, and they were just sort of walking me through what they're thinking about for the scene. And they're like, well, there's going to be this fight happening in this place and this interaction. And we're looking through this room, and I'm thinking, like, hmm, I think it would look way cooler if they were way higher up because then you'd have, like, a vantage point. You could have sort of a suspense and a... And I was just kind of spitballing out loud, honestly, mostly to myself, because I was writing some notes. And the guy stops, and he's like, you think if we had it higher up, it would be a better shot? And I'm like, oh, absolutely. And I went into it, and it was sort of the first time I got to, you know, contribute. And he's like, well, that makes sense to me. Let's do it then. And it was really special. You know, it's nice to have an input in the creative process, and um, the contributions that you can make to the creative process are way more broad than I was told growing up. <laughs> you know, it's... I want to make movies. Like, are you good at, with the camera? Are you good at this and that? Like, no, there's there's a, a really cool guy I met on set a couple weeks ago for a movie who, it's like this diehard cinephile, like movie fan extraordinaire, and chef extraordinaire, huge fan of cooking. So you got to imagine he likes Ratatouille. But uh, he is living his dream, living his best life by working on movies, by working at a catering company. So he pretty much, every day, rolls up. I say pretty much, because I know he has like four day weekends, which is rad, by choice. <laughs> Excuse me, he wakes up, does some prep, drives his food truck to the set, dispenses food for like 10, 11 hours, four days a week. He's worked on pretty much every movie in Toronto in the past 10 years, and I, I just think it's so cool. Everyone loves movies, there's so many ways that you can be involved and connected with but that's some personal stuff that I've been happy to finally dip my I really mean finally you know dip my, my feet into the movie making pool but Shazam is everywhere in the city and it made me so happy uh, for that reason and just as a, as a Torontonian to see these things to see that you know key moments take place uh, on a transit system that you have to take every day to work or to school and to see fights happening on streets that you pass frequently. It's a great feeling. Um, but yeah, great feeling all around. The movie is just so much fun. You have a world where the superheroes exist, which is great. That's the best part of this new DCUO is that you... DCU, <laughs> I think DCUO is the... Is that the online game? I don't know. The DC movie universe is moving in this direction where you have mention of heroes and references and the clear understanding, but it's not the ties that are binding the, the whole plot together. So we have Superman as this worshipped figure as he was, and we have reference to Batman and him existing, and then we know that there's like toys and figurines and cartoons with Wonder Woman, so she's a presence, but it's a movie about uh, a kid, a runaway foster kid, getting extraordinary powers from like this old wizard named Shazam whose power is given and removed with the saying of his name and it's fucking awesome you know Aquaman was great because it was just a, a no holds bar visual 
treat that was great and that didn't really push anything with DC, just existed. Uh, Wonder Woman, amazing. Thin little connecting threads, but just a great war movie, a great sort of female empowerment movie, a great, you know, sort of wartime friends, romantic, however you want to describe the relationship, just experience the movie. And it was... It's really a lot. I like Wonder Woman a lot. And now you have these three, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and Shazam, who have succeeded greatly, who have reached that sort of Marvel or more uh, tier of success. And it's very promising, and it's very optimistic. I had mentioned before, Marvel gives me some pause in, in their direction and what we're looking at down the barrel for the next, you know, maybe five, ten years of movies. But DC... Nothing but optimism. They've knocked it out of the park three in a row. That's a hat trick. That's a success to me. That is them showing that they know how to take it. And I think Marvel's going to lean into that a bit. But again, Shazam was great. I'm not going to be the decider for you whether you see it or not. You probably will, and you should, because it's really good. But it's genuinely funny. It is not... It does not escape some of the tropes of being a superhero movie, but it does a wonderful job of doing everything in a, a unique enough way and a sort of Deadpoolian way of, of making it a farce of itself because it's so self-aware, without obviously breaking the fourth wall. But the movie is... The supporting best friend character is a superhero nerd and, and sort of guides... Our, our hero Shazam on his quest of like realizing what it is to be a hero and you get that a lot which is great you always get the the nerdy or the bookish one who's more aware of in the theory what a hero should be and helps guide them and it's very cool and I, I don't even want to spoil the ending because this is I think week two of this movie being out but the ending is amazing if you haven't like I haven't seen the trailers but I saw the first one, and it wasn't in that trailer. And if, if you're not aware of what's going to happen, whether you like comics or not, it's a really great ending. Um, I won't pretend that I've been like a lifelong Captain Marvel reader. I have had him appear in comics since before I can remember. Like Some of my earliest Justice League reads have Captain Marvel in it. Uh, I have a lot of stories that have Captain Marvel in it. And what's been most important <laughs> is uh, I have a lot of... Alex Ross artwork that has Captain Marvel in it because that's my favorite. Nobody ever does Captain Marvel or Shazam like Alex Ross. The realistic, sort of human, but pure smiling face of, of the way he does it. Um, people used to make fun of him and call him the Big Red Cheese Captain Marvel. I don't remember if that's something that stuck around or they referenced in the movie, but it's been pretty funny. Um... They have this running gag where they keep calling them different names um, throughout their like video titles and their posts and their comments and stuff. And I'm sure a handful of them are specific like DC references. But um, the references were great. I'm not going to pretend to you guys that I understood the full depth of the after credit scene. The only thing that... Okay, I have to be vague about this because I'm trying to avoid spoilers. Let me just say... Shazam is a really good villain. Um, Mark Strong is such a fucking awesome character to play. Sorry, Mark Strong, the character. Mark Strong is such a fucking awesome actor that he does such a stellar job with villains. Uh, was it Blackwood in, in Sherlock Holmes? Sinestro in DC? Savannah in DC? He's in anything, even in a trash pile like Green Lantern. He shines. He's a, he's a very uh, commanding, villainous presence in the movie. He's so lovable in Kingsman, too. And in Kingsman, too. Some pun humor. But uh, if you have an actor like that, you want to keep him around. And that's something that I like about DC. It's not disposable DC villain that gets beaten and thrown away. Wonder Woman defeats Ares, but Ares is a Greek god of war, and he's eternal, and he'll come back. And Aquaman defeats a foe only to realize that, you know, forgiveness and a... <coughs> Orm's still alive, is what I'm saying. And Black Manta's still... Like, 
you f- we fight these villains, but they're defeated. It doesn't mean they're shelved. And like a, we beat Ronan. He was shit. He's garbage. He's gone now. Like, oh, maybe we'll reference him once so we don't feel bad. But what about Malekith and Ultron and Whiplash? Justin Hammer? You know. I mentioned in a tweet, actually, I'm hoping that in Endgame, Ultron shows up. Not just because I love James Spader, but I think that idea, that sort of last round, like last-ditch draft to get everybody on the field where you're recruiting villains because good or bad, you know, this is their city too. I love that shit. I love it in comics. I love it in movies. I love it in westerns, Japanese movies. You always have that. Hell, I love it in Age of Empires when your city is under siege in that final moment of the game, whether it's like you're holding out for the wonder to win or you're just trying to stave off death and you've got that army that's like mostly pikemen, scouts, and villagers. Like you, at the end of the day, you, you need all the fighters you can get. So I'm hoping that Endgame, you know, rustles up a few of the baddies to join the good side. And I think Ultron would just be brilliant because it's a robot. You could, like, in a day, look at all the fucking shit he did. He'd just bring him up. In a day, he'll do stuff. He beat him before. You could beat him after more easily than Thanos. But he built, like, an army of himself and built a super cannon. And I don't know. I'm kind of hoping that Iron Man builds some big blue suit that turns out to just be that he's inside of Nebula the whole time. But that's a whole different, <laughs> maybe a fan fiction, I don't know. Um, yeah, Shazam is funny. It's got heart. It's a good story. And we live in a time of super saturation of superhero culture. Say that ten times fast. So it was kind of nice to see a movie that's aware of that. Not just aware of its own characters, like Avengers styles. But um, check it out. It's lovely. But what I was saying at the beginning, the, the funniest part of all of it, why it was so unforgettable, was early releases and early showings and screenings for reviewers started on Wednesday for Avengers. But the first real true day of release was Thursday night. Some places were showing it as early as 6 p.m. It's supposed to be midnight, but... Thursday was day one of Avengers Endgame. <laughs> that happened to be the fucking day we decided to go see Shazam. So we're at that cute theater I'm talking about. And like a small... <clears throat> the size, maybe like... 10 meter by 10 meter screen. Like, not small, but like... A, it's still a movie theater, but the smallest possible movie theater screen. And I shit you not, there's nobody fucking in there. There's not a single person in there. So we get our seats and we're spread out and like, not we're not dicks. We're not taking up twelve seats. We're just you know we get an extra seat on either side of you for bags, whatever. People start trickling in, and by people I mean one fucking family of a mom and two kids. And I'm, I'm just sitting there trying to figure out like what the fuck are these people doing here? Like that that mom is doing a bad job, to, <laughs> not to end game. And they looked old enough to be there, and I'm, like, really confused. I'm like, I hope these are just, like, weird, diehard DC fans. (laughs) I don't think that's the case. And then there was another, like, two ladies that showed up that I I really just... Power to you, anyone, and any time you go to the movies. But I'm I'm sitting there, like, what brings you here? My excuse was I already had my tickets set up and everything. And to be honest, in an old-timey theater, it's not... Like, the best part of this theater is they will show modern movies, but they're not showing them on a screen or a sound level that is modern. We have, it's like watching a, a movie or a VHS movie versus a Blu-ray movie. There's like a tangible difference. I don't want the first time to be outrageous. But a lot of people were smart because, you know, 4.30 p.m. at this cute little local movie theater, you could see Endgame. You walk in, buy tickets, and the theater seats maybe 200 people. There must have been 40 people there. Like there was just, you know, if you don't care, you're just in it to see it and not have it spoiled. It's the place to be. But we were there. The day Endgame came out, sitting in Shazam, the DC movie, with f- five other people in the theater with us, in a theater of like 60 seats. <laughs> Hilarious. And the only thing funnier than that was the theater beside us was Endgame. So at times, especially at low points in our movie, there'd be like huge, deep bass rumbles and like, <laughs> like vague echoes of fight or- orchestra pieces and <laughs> sitting there like, 
you know, Billy Batson's having a heartfelt talk with his foster brother, and then there's a fucking massive explosion for like eight seconds rattling their dialogue. Yeah, so it was really fun. Went to see it with, uh, it was completely out of the blue, actually. I had plans to tentatively see Shazam the day of Endgame, but it, like, I wound up sort of double dating it because my wife wanted to see if she would have the endurance for Endgame, but yeah, it was a great movie, not just for Toronto reasons, it was just very good. Um, and again, looking up for DC, my theory of the end credit thing, and I, you could look it up in two seconds and disprove me, or I'll look it up and feel stupid, but I haven't since. And when I watched it, my first thought, the same thing I got when I, when I saw Dr. Savannah, is that this movie finally confirms magic. So Ares confirms a sort of Greek pantheon so that we're going to get, we can get those characters like Hercules and, and Zeus, and we can get more out of the Wonder Woman play chest now because they've, they've opened that. But Shazam has opened magic, and it's great because Shazam has always fundamentally been a magic character. And who does magic open the door to? Two of my fucking favorites, Zatanna, who's Bay, and anyone, you know, you know I love that shit, so she'll be there, which is great because that means Justice League Dark, which I fucking love. Justice League Dark, for anyone who doesn't know, is a sort of magic and uh, occult slash supernaturally themed Justice League team that's specifically brought together to handle uh, conflicts and matters in that subject range. So they supernatural, ghosts, magic, uh, deities, the dead, things like that, necromancy. Um, Zatanna's a staple of that. I like Zatanna a lot as well because not only like does she bang Batman, and that's always fun to read, but she is that sort of, her and Batman knowing each other is that connection with superhero and magic that I always find fascinating. And Batman is the most practical, intelligent person in, in the DC universe, my opinion. I mean, you can make the argument for a couple other people being maybe at that level, but um, I'm looking at you, Vandal Savage. I still said Batman. But Batman will openly and freely admit magic exists and the supernatural exists and ghosts because he's, he's encountered them. He's very, it's not like a belief thing. It's like, I know magic is real. That's why this batarang is made of nth metal and it will fuck you up if you're magical. And in Shazam, not a spoiler, somebody throws a... <laughs> Well, it sounds like a huge spoiler. It's really not. Somebody throws a batarang at the villain. <clears throat> I'm not implying it's Batman. And it hurts him. And I'm like, oh, that's an nth metal batarang. This is some next level references. Like, fuck, this movie's great. And later on, they're like, it's because of this. I'm like, ah, shit. <laughs> so uh, anyway, that caterpillar shows up at the end. I'm not, it's not coming to mind immediately if I've seen a smoking caterpillar anywhere besides Awesome Wonderland. But he confirms the existence of the sort of like, sin hell realms and it'll just give us an entry point into that sort of Faustian DC magic that is great. You get Constantine who is my other favorite. I said there's two Zatanna and Constantine. Constantine is Batman of the magic world. He's a sort of like experienced intelligent, wizened detective of the supernatural and He's a street magician, as they call him. Very cool stuff. Be great to get him back in. And I don't know if I mentioned before, I'm a huge fan of the Constantine that Keanu Reeves did. I think it's nowhere near what it is in the comics in terms of what it's what what it is. It's not, you know, you you gritty British Sex Pistols type, you know, grifter magician or hedge mage hedge, hedge mage. I think it's called Hedge Mage. Maybe it's a Warhammer exclusive thing. It's like a bum wizard. Like he'll grift from town to town, do like incantations and parlor tricks for money and room and board. That kind of thing. But Constantine is great. He's another uh, longtime component of the DC magic world. Teams up well with Zatanna. Um, too well sometimes. <laughs> Even uh, Justice League Dark does a good job. But the Keanu Reeves Constantine is not that British, um, wisecracking, know-it-all about magic. He's not that, like, 
I think of him as like a rubber bouncy ball. You read a John Constantine story. He's going to bounce up against like every strong, powerful thing in the universe, and he's just going to bounce away from there using like quick skills, magic, and probably the death of a close friend. But <laughs> the end. Um, but the one in the movie is still really interesting. It still, still kicks ass. It's still a cool take on it. It's one of the few times where you took something, you Americanized it, or you did it a different way, and it's almost just as good. <clears throat> it's different. Very different, but I like it. I think the... Uh, oh, what was her name? Um, Tilda Swinton as the sort of androgynous... I think it was Gabriel. Like It was fantastic. Great imagery. Rachel Weiss is wonderful. Um, cool weapons. I mean, the props were great. That gun... And it was brief, but they sort of, I think his name's Papa Midnight, like his sort of voodoo underworld club. Like, that's big in the comics, too. And it's, all that stuff was there. I think that was a good movie. It would be nice if we had him back. So, yeah. DC, lots to look forward to. Um, Marvel, hopefully not as, as dubious as I'm making it out to seem, I think. I'm sure they got good stuff coming. I'll be a little more clear. I think the reason I'm not so enthused as I spent a lot of time you know hoping and praying that they're going to get the rights to X-Men and the Fox buyover like all that stuff would, would happen and it did and it was greatly celebrated and then I think it was Kevin Feige himself came out with a statement that was like don't expect that stuff in the next five years and it's like okay why? <laughs> like, I get we are probably at a point of you know critical levels of X-Men stuff but I'm not talking about let's make X-Men Dark Phoenix again. Or like, split them up, put them in different movies. Have Cyclops show up, like, in Kabul, in, like, a Captain America movie, where Captain America is Bucky, and he's, you know, metal arm, shield, pistol, knife, like the Bucky cap from that, what, like, 2010 kind of run. I love that shit. That was great. If anyone was going to take over Cap, that was the guy to do it. And... I don't know, have him run into Cyclops, who was a working humanitarian aide there or something, and they fight, you know what I mean? Like, they don't, the X-Men, the institution of Xavier's Mansion needs to be established, and that needs to be a thing, and they need to be a presence, but they can split up. I think Marvel always does a better job when it's like the uncanny Avengers, and it's like a mesh team instead of so segregated. Um, yeah, Endgame is tomorrow. We're in the end game now. I guess the obligatory saying of that. But I can't wait. I hope you guys, whoever you are, wherever you are, I hope you get to watch the movie as soon as possible. I wish you the utmost avoidance of spoilers and, and, and death to your foes whom spoil for you. <laughs> really, though, guys, have a good weekend. Um, enjoy the movie. And I will make an episode shortly after seeing it. Of course, it's going to be good. It's not to tell you guys that. It's just to tell you I'm going to cope emotionally with this movie being done with. So, uh, yeah, stay dry and have a good weekend, guys. Assemble and all that.